I'm your host, Kate, and this episode is all about alcohol. And just a upfront disclaimer, it's a very educational one. You're going to go on a tour of the Lucidi Distillery and learn all about how they make alcohol. So, how are you all? I'm doing good. It feels like forever since I've done an episode, and I'm feeling a little bit nervous, but it's all good. I've been busy moving, and I didn't have internet for a while, but now I'm ready to get back into the swing of things. So, yeah, let's get back to the episode. Like I said, it's at the Lucidi Distillery, which is in Peoria, Arizona, and it's housed at the Fire Station Number 1 building. So you'll hear all about the history of the building and then a tour of how they make the different spirits and all that. And if you're ever in the Phoenix area, I highly recommend doing this tour. It was awesome. You get to do some taste tests and then you get a handcrafted cocktail at the end. So it was really awesome and they did a great job putting on the tour. So I'm going to just pretty much go ahead and play the tour in its entirety for you. And then you'll hear from me again at the end. We are now home of Lucidi Distilling Company, but before we get started uh, trying some of the samples that we make, I do like to talk a little bit about the history of this beautiful building that we're in. So this building was actually erected in 1920. It started its life off as a movie theater, uh, and it operated as such until the city of Peoria incorporated, and they decided that a volunteer fire department was no longer a suitable form of emergency response. So at that time, they converted the movie theater into the fire station. It was the first and only fire station for the city of Peoria, and operated that way until until 2006. So 52 years of a fully functional and operating fire department. However, over the years and the decades, the trucks and the equipment and the guys got a little wider, and the station would be the same size. The guys. <laughs> so, uh, and as you will notice, this is not a pull-through station. So the guys would get back from calls, they'd actually have to back the truck into the station. And I don't know if you guys ever had to back up a truck or a trailer into a garage, but try multiplying that by fire truck, and it gets hard. Um, also, we want to have the guys to have room to jump in and run like it's an emergency. So the city of Peoria decided to build them a real-life fire station down the street next to Walmart. God bless America, everything has to be next to Walmart. <laughs> but luckily, it's not too far away because the guys do like to come and visit, and they were also a huge help when we were doing the remodel inside here. Uh, they would show up after shift, They'd be like, hey guys, like, what can we do? How can we help? We're like, go home. You've been working for 48 hours. Go see your wives. They're like, they know we're coming. Seriously, what can we do? Um, so they were a big help. We really appreciate everything that they did for us. So now, ever since February 24th, we have been operating as a fully functional distillery run by the Lucidi Distilling Company. Um, so since we are now talking about the distillery, we can start getting into the spirit of the spirits and start drinking, huh? Yeah. <laughs> All right. So this first sample that I'm going to give you guys is actually not a sample of mine. It's a sample that comes to us from the Desert Diamond Distillery in Kingman, Arizona, which is actually my hometown, fun fact. So I just want to give you something to compare mine to. So this is a molasses-based vodka. It's an old world style, so it's got a lot of stuff going on for this. It's got a lot of character. Um, I'll let you guys taste it, kind of see what I'm talking about before we talk about it. But it is very different from my vodka. Oh, that's right. Oh no, they're mine. <laughs> so go ahead, take a taste. Is everything? <laughs> this is a little cute. Smoky. Smoky. All right. Can I taste like a 
like rum almost, right? Yeah, it's, got a, it's got a lot going on for it. A little too much for vodka, if you ask me. Um, so this is going to be my vodka. This is our flagship spirit. It's the Forcible Entry Vodka. Uh, it is the technical term for putting a fire axe through a door. But this is a grain-based vodka, 100% corn, 12 times distilled, incredibly smooth, very crisp. So it'll be going down until right there at the end, and you go, oh, hey, that was vodka I'm drinking. So while you guys are enjoying those, I'm going to tell you a little bit about the family that took this place over uh, as the distillery. It was the Lucidi family. Up here we can meet the boys. we got Zip Lucidi, who is the patriarch. He's daddy-o of the whole operation. And then we have Chris Lucidi, who is our head distiller. Um, and then, our, and actually the sole owner of this property. And then we also have Joey Lucidi, who is Chris's little brother, and he actually runs the Haymaker restaurants. Anybody ever heard of those? Delicious. They've got biscuits and gravy that deserves its own Saturday afternoon nap. It's insane. Um, but a good rule of thumb when you're looking around this place is that if Chris cut it, Zip put it up, and if Zip cut it, Chris put it up. So brick by brick, board by board, those two guys are the entire remodel for everything that you see here. Um, so all this beautiful wood that we have here up on our ceiling and on our walls actually is uh, rescued from a barn in Kentucky. Because we are distillers, we love our whiskey. Whiskey love its roots, and those are going to be in Kentucky. So we want to bring a little bit home to us. Uh, laid all the brickwork. He actually burned all the emblems and the tops of the tables that you see over here. He built the tables that we have to enjoy up here. Built all the ladders, and went all the walls and the ceilings, as well as drilled out all of the mason jars that we use for our lighting. Um, inside each one of those mason jars is an Edison LED light bulb, which means it's very expensive. <laughs> um, but it's also very efficient. So we are a green facility, because the only thing we care about saving more than money is the environment. Um, so it actually takes less energy to run all these lights in this building than it takes to run your Ninja Blender for about five minutes in the morning. So we're also a paperless company, so we don't have any paper receipts or anything like that. We like to do everything on square. Um, but yeah, so everything was done in here, as well as this beautiful fire hose flag that we have up here. So Chris actually made that fire, that flag out of two solid fire hoses by hand. As you can see, the front of it is a beautiful patriotic red, white, and blue. If you were to flip that sucker over on the back, it is a gruesome and violent red, red, and red, <laughs> because Chris lost a fight with a knife he was using a couple of times. And that guy weighs about 600 pounds. So the original vision for it was that we were going to have it backlit. But then we got it up there to take a look at it. We're like, it's fine. <laughs> Just fine. <laughs> oh, I thought she was talking to me. <laughs> um, who are my vodka drink or my whiskey drinkers? Whiskey yeah. All right. So this whiskey, this is actually uh, a whiskey that we are currently importing and bottling since we are still waiting for our it whiskey to age. So this is a three-year-old Canadian rye whiskey. So Canadians, by character, are going to have a bit of a peppery finish to it. So it's going to have a little spice rather than that bourbon burn that we're all so familiar with. Um, but since it is Canadian, after all, it does have those nice sweet notes in the front. A little maple, a little caramel, a little vanilla. Take two. That's what we think. Even if you don't like whiskey, I implore you just to give it a try. I've had so many non-whiskey lovers fall in love with this stuff. It's ridiculous. What do we think? Anybody love it? Anybody hate it? Love it. Yeah. I love it. Right? So we do also have, since we do get it received here at about 157 proof, we proof it down to 100 proof and bottle it, and then we take it down to 80 proof and bottle it. So we do have a 100 proof version of this stuff available. But if you ask me, it just gets smoother the higher it gets. Um, so while you guys are finishing those up, I'll tell you a little bit about the fire stuff that we have going on in here. 
Uh, since it was a fire station, I mean, who doesn't love a firefighter, right? Like, who better to pay tribute to with our distillery than the firefighters? I know. No, we love this guy. We don't like him. We love this guy. <laughs> no, we don't this like guy. Um, So everything that you see in here fire-related was donated by the guys that once donned them. So all of our turnouts, all the helmets, all the equipment. A couple ones that we get some questions on that I do like to point out. This is my silver suit over here. Uh, looks like it's called a baked potato suit because uh, they have a sick sense of humor. Because how do you cook a baked potato? Wrap it in tin foil and toss it to fire. Kind of the same principle with that suit. Uh, they use that a lot for airport fires. Uh, anything involving jet fuel, because that, that stuff gets hot. All right. Well, I want you to rest assured you are standing in one of the safest distilleries in Arizona. Basically, the entire building is a safety feature, but there's a couple I'm going to point out to you in particular. First of all, being this red pyramid up here. No, alas, that is not an homage to the sun god Ra. Uh, that is hooked up to our swamp cooler, which is huge. So when we're cooking, we're making all these ethanol fumes, that thing is on full blast, and it can pump out 10,000 cubic feet of air per minute, which means all of these are plastered up against the ceiling, and that air is gonna go out these vents right here. Now these vents only let out 8,000 cubic feet of air per minute, which means that when we're cooking and producing those fumes, this room is overpressurized. So we're gonna get fresh, brand new air in here every three minutes. It's gonna push all those ethanol fumes out, and we're gonna sit outside and watch the birds get drunk. <laughs> now, the second safety feature we have is this right here. So that's Chris's office. There's a couple reasons that it looks like a tree fort. One, he asked his dad for a tree fort for 36 years. He finally built a distillery. He said, Dad, you're gonna build me one I want. Uh, two, ethanol likes to play this fun game where when it's cold, it hangs out down by the floor, up about three feet, and when it's warm, it hangs out down from the ceiling, down about three feet. So we went ahead and built Chris's office right there in that Goldilocks zone, because as fun as it is to watch him try to do paperwork drunk, signature gets a little wonky, our paychecks don't go through, we have to beat him up. So we just went ahead and put it in the middle there where he can do paperwork nice and sober, the way we always dreamed he would when he was opening a distillery. All right, so now safety features, whatever, who cares? Let's talk about booze. All right, so back in the day, whenever somebody built a distillery, they would put it near a lake or a pond. Anyone have an idea why that might be? Fresh water, very true. Uh, most of what's in these bottles is water. Not trying to teach you, that's just how alcohol is. Um, but if you've ever jumped into a lake or a pond, you know that like the first couple inches are really refreshing and then the next feet, it's like, yeah, getting a little chilly, all right. And then like the bottom couple feet, wow, frostbite. Haven't seen you in a while. Um, we want that frostbite water down at the bottom because as important as it is to heat everything up to make alcohol, in order to get good alcohol, it's just as important to keep it cool at the right times. So when we first built this place, we asked the city of Peoria if we could annex just a little piece of the park and put in a pond, it would be so cool and everyone would love it. And they said, what? No, no, stop. Why are you, no, stop it, stop it, guys. So we had to come up with a different plan and stop calling them. Uh, so this is our pond, this elegant, lovely plastic beer can over here. Uh, and our pond is cooler than yours, pun absolutely intended, because that is not water in there, that is a food grade glycol. 
we can take that down to about negative 30 degrees and it still flows like water. Hmm. All right, so uh, we've got our pond. On the other side of that wall hooked up to our pond is a chiller. That's what's gonna keep it cold. In that very same room is our boiler. Now the reason we use a boiler and we use steam to heat everything instead of lighting a little pilot fire underneath everything we wanna keep warm is because fire and ethanol get along very well. A little bit too well, depending on how you feel about explosions. Because who's ever heard of a small distillery fire? No. If we go, the block goes. So, we want to avoid that because we like the block. So, we're going to use a uh, boiler, we're going to use steam, and that's going to run through these black pipes here. All of our cold water is going to run through the copper pipes there. Alright, so now we've got our heart and lungs room, that's what keeps us going. Now, when you cook something at home, you use something called a recipe. But we paid a lot of money for this equipment, so we're going to make up fancy names because we want to feel like it was worth it. So we're going to use something called a mash bill. And our mash bill is going to tell us how much and what type of stuff we need to put into the mash tun, T-U-N, in order to make our alcohol. So we're going to put about 600 pounds of grain into that mash tun about 300 gallons of water, and then we're gonna bring it up to a boil. And it's gonna do the exact same thing that your pasta does when you boil it at home. It's going to expand, it's gonna soften, it's gonna open up those starches. We're gonna let it cool down to about 150 degrees, and we're gonna add something called an enzyme. Now, enzyme is just a fancy way of saying malt, which is probably a word you've heard before. But we're gonna add our malt, and it's gonna trick the grains into thinking it's time to make seeds, so it's gonna convert all of those starches into sugars, which is great because sugar is what alcohol is made out of. All right, any questions so far? Feeling good? Doing great. All right, cool. All right, so now we've got our sort of cream of wheat kind of stuff going on. We're gonna hook that up to our trusty four-wheel suspension over here. Yes, we sprung for the off-road package. Not compensating, <laughs> just saying. Alright, so we're going to hook it up to our air pump over here, and that is going to move all 330 gallons of mash from our mash tun into one of our fermentation tanks in six minutes or less. Wow. Yeah, I know. He's our favorite. So now we've got our cream of wheat stuff sitting in our, in our fermentation tanks. We're going to add something called yeast. Now, yeast is our best friend in the whole wide world. Without yeast, we don't have alcohol. Now, it's kind of hard to impress upon you about how incredible of a creature yeast is, but suffice to say, we didn't actually know what it was until about 150 years ago, and we have been making alcohol for about 10,000 years. Um, when they first theorized that yeast was what was causing alcohol, uh, everybody laughed, basically, because how could it be that there's this stuff floating in the air, just hanging out, that eats sugar, and it farts CO2, and it poops alcohol? Well, it's true, that's what happens. So let us all take a moment to reflect on how much we love delicious yeast poop. All right, so now it's gonna sit in here. And the thing about yeast is it's kind of like snowbirds. It wants it to be 80 degrees all year long. Yes, I did tell that joke to the group of snowbirds that did a private tour on Tuesday. They still laughed. <laughs> All right, so we've got our yeast in here. It wants it to be 80 degrees. 
degrees. So we're going to run our very cold water through here. It's going to come out slightly warmer water. And it's going to sit in here for about four or five days. And it's going to eat and eat and eat and eat meat until there's absolutely no sugar left in there. All right? So now, who's ever had like a heavy beer, like an eight, nine, ten percent, right? Um, that would be a complete failure to us. We want 16 to 22 percent alcohol. All right? So, can you chew it? No. Or sorry, can you drink it? No, not really. Yes, you can probably chew on it. Makes a pretty decent breakfast, depending on how much shame you have left. All right. So now we've got 16 to 22 percent cream of wheat. We're going to hook it up once again to our trusty off-road suspension over there. And he's going to move all of that over here into our still. And you might notice it looks very similar to our mash tun. There's a couple key differences, though. First of all, this blue thing is pointed off to the side. Over there, we were moving big, heavy, solid grains. Now we're moving nice, friendly liquids. It's much easier. And uh, secondly, more subtly, I know, there's a giant copper column sticking at the top. All right, so now we get to decide exactly what kind of liquor we want, because which one of these obstacle courses we send it through is going to determine what we get at the end, because we have a hybrid still, so we can make everything. So, we're going to put it through here, and let's make some vodka first. Who likes vodka? Yes, good, enthusiastic. All right, let's make some vodka. So we're going to send it through our vodka tower, all right? So now it's going to start off the steam here in the bottom, and then if you notice all of these different uh, portholes on the side, those represent a different level of distillation. So you've probably heard three, four, five, six times distilled. Ours is 12 times distilled, which is why it's got that very clean, very crisp flavor. All right, so it's gonna start out as a vapor here on the bottom and it's gonna work its way up through each one of these portholes. And in each one of those, it's gonna hit a bubble plate. Some bubbles are this way, some bubbles are that way, and all of the inside of that is made with copper. And it's gonna interact with the copper to go up in proof and to pull out all of the impurities that are in there. So by the time it hits the top here, what we're looking for, legally speaking, is a colorless, flavorless, odorless, tasteless, and 190 proof liquor. <laughs> all right, I kinda did a double there. All right, so 190 proof liquor. Now, once it hits this top piece, it's gonna hit that guy right there. Now that is called a deflamator, which is just a fancy word for big copper ice cube. It's got about three football fields worth of copper mesh inside there. And what it's gonna do is since it's a mesh, it acts more like a chain link fence than a door. We're gonna get some of that that runs through and that's what we're gonna test. We're gonna test to see if we like the proof, the texture, the flavor. And once we decide we like the proof, the texture, the flavor, whatever, we're gonna turn off that deflamator and it's gonna warm up and we're gonna start sending all of that vodka through and it's gonna come over here into our final condenser. Now that is just a very large deflamator, but we wanted to change the name because we can. So it's called final condenser. It's gonna final condense the product. So it's going to come out of this paraclete here, fondly named Polly, and into one of our 55-gallon drums. Now, now what we have is a 55-gallon drum full of 190-proof liquor. Do we want to drink that? Hell no. That'll take the hair right off your chest. 
Alright, so what we're going to do is we're going to take it over here behind this gentleman to our way station in the corner, and we're going to proof it down, which is a complicated, arduous process wherein we add water. And that's it. So, um, complicated. we use some reverse osmosis water, and there is a math equation, but basically we just add water to it. Uh, so then it's proofed down, we take it to 80 proof, and we hook it up to our beautiful imported Italian cow here, Mori, and we put it in a bottle, we put a cork and a closure and a label, and then we send it home in your loving arms. And now, if we're not sending it home in your loving arms today, what we're gonna do is we're gonna stick it on a pallet and we're gonna send it out that back door to all of your favorite bars and restaurants. Now the way that you guys are gonna help us with that is next time you're out and you want a drink, you ask your bartender, hey, do you guys have forcible entry vodka at that fire station number one? And when they say, what? You say, well, let me tell you. <laughs> and then you tell them. And uh, then when we come in and we say, hey, do you guys have forcible entry vodka by fire station number one? They say, I've heard of that. I'll take two cases. All right? So that's how you guys are going to help us be successful. But that's enough of vodka. You say, Megan, I love it, but it reminds me of my mom. Let's talk about something else. All right. Let's make some gin. Who likes gin? Yes. I love gin. Yes. <laughs> You're not shy, Curtis. I love gin. All right. So gin is just flavored vodka. It's very specifically flavored, but it's just flavored vodka. So, we're going to send it through. We're going to send it through our tower right there. Now, instead of sending it over, we're going to make another stop. We're going to go into this one right here. So that is our botanical basket. It's just a happy accident that it looks like a fire hydrant. That's just how they look. But that is basically a giant tea bag. Now, gin has to be flavored with juniper. So that's going to be the main ingredient. Everything other than that is entirely up to you. So ours is a very citrus forward. We use lemon peel, lime peel, orange. Some people use coriander, rose petals, sage, really basically anything. Now the trick is with gin that it's very easy to make gin. Uh, you just add juniper. But it's very easy, very difficult to make good gin because every single teaspoon of ingredient can completely change your flavor profile. And you really can't call up anybody and say, hey, what's your guys' gin recipe? I'm working on this. Because they will laugh and they will hang up on you. Uh, because nobody gives out their gin recipe. So, it's gone through the botanical basket, steeps in there, nice and hot, then it comes back up, goes through the final condenser, out the parrot's beak, into the barrel, into the bottle, home with you. Now, let's cover rum real quick. Now, rum is fun because it's very easy. You start with a sugar base. Here we use a blackstrap molasses. Most places in the United States use molasses. Um, so we're going to start. We're going to add our yeast. We're going to send it through our still. It's going to come out at 164 proof or lower. And then whatever you do is entirely up to you. So you can leave it high, like Bacardi 151. You can take it down low. Normal is 80 proof. You can stick it in a barrel and age it for as long as you feel like. You can spice it, you can flavor it, whatever. So that's why when you go into your rum aisle at your local store, there are so many completely different types of rum because there's really no rules when it comes to rum. All right, so whiskey. That's what we started this place for. That's what you came here for. That's why this even exists. 
Now, before we talk about whiskey, Chris is a fifth generation distiller, and it's important to him to do honor to those distillers that came before him. And the way that we get to do that here is by making moonshine. So, we will be carrying a true moonshine here in the very near future. Um, it will be bottled at 144 proof. Yes, you can light it on fire. No, you can't light it on fire here. Uh, but moonshine has a very simple path. So we're gonna start out, we're gonna put it in our uh, still, and we're gonna send it through, and it's not gonna touch anything, because when we put it through that copper tower and it was pulling out those impurities, well, those impurities are what moonshine and whiskey lovers call flavor, and they want to keep it. So we don't want it to touch a lot of copper. We're gonna send it through, it's gonna come up here, it's gonna drop down there, we're gonna add about six drops of water and we are gonna call it a day. All right, so now we do have just a little bit of our moonshine right in here. I'm gonna waft it at you. This is the aromatherapy portion of our zucchini sentiment. All right, keep it close, it's all right. No, it's not too close. All right. Oh, no, no, you wanna stay Not too close, don't worry, it'll come to you. Trust me. We might use it for our rum. We might do a barrel-aged gin. 
we might do a barrel-aged hot sauce. That is an option too, all right? So we could also sell it. There are lots of beer makers that like to use used barrels, lots of wine makers as well. Uh, and then other whiskeys, such as Irish whiskey, actually stipulates that it has to be a used white American oak barrel. So Irish whiskeys are one of the largest buyers of American bourbon barrels. All right, now before I send you on your way, I had mentioned that Chris is a fifth generation distiller. Um, as you're leaving, you're gonna notice by the door there's this little wooden structure. That is a grape press. And Chris's great-great-grandfather brought that over with him on the boat from Italy. Paid full passage, same as if it was a person. So when we say that distilling is a family craft, that it's something we take very seriously, we mean it, all right? This has been going on in their family for a very long time. They're very passionate about it, and they are very excited to bring that passion to downtown Peoria. In case you didn't know, we are in the middle of a revitalization down here. So come back in six months, a year, two years, three years, you're gonna see a very different Peoria every time. Alright, so I hope you enjoyed the tour of the distillery. I hope you found it educational and even entertaining. So like I said before, I'm excited to get back and do the swing of things with the podcasting. So one thing I've been doing as I've been unpacking is watching Indiana Jones. So I'm hoping to do an Indiana Jones episode really soon and get some really cool guests. So be sure to stay tuned for that. As always, thanks so much for listening and be sure to check out nerdaparadise.net. I'll post some pictures actually of the tour in case you're kind of curious about what some of that stuff looked like. And as always, you can follow on social media, specifically Twitter, it's at N of Peapot. And other than that, thanks again for listening and stay nerdy.